this is Tommyon.net, and we're doing a, a podcast about uh, Yale and his uh, and his 330 2 plus 2, Series 1, and uh, how he came about finding. I guess we should start early on to uh, to how you even thought about getting a Ferrari. Well, I, I, I never owned a car before in my life. I owned a Blimpy delivery van when I was in high school. I uh, grew up in Philadelphia. The Blimpy delivery van in the you know, early 70s. You know, I was Mac Daddy with that, and liked that a lot. But when I got rid of it, I moved to New York and had no need for a car. Had never even thought about so owning a, a car. So a delivery van in 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 Philly. Is yeah. that what it was? Did you used to drive that thing? Yeah. Right? Okay. It was fantastic. It had a guy before me had put in Volvo bucket seats. It had a rug in the back and 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 uh, and paneling in the back and you know girlfriends going to Canada in it. it was it was. Oh, a it really wasn't like you worked for Blimpy. No, 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 no. You got it after. Yes. Blimpy was good and done with it. Yeah, but but the, but the funny thing is, is when I would go over, um, you know, bridges and stuff like that, they would always give me a receipt. If I parked in front of a, a hydrant and I happened to be in it, the, 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 the police guy would come by. I remember this happened to me. He would go, you know, make, I'm not going to give you a ticket, but make sure you buy your, tell your boss to buy a ticket to the Police Athletic League, you know, games. And I was like, oh, yeah, we'll do, we'll do. <laughs> So it had all the blimpy paraphernalia on it. Oh, that, so you so. never even painted over it. Oh, no, it's beautiful. It's fantastic. Thinly oh. veiled uh, no, no. white it's, paint. It's a thing of beauty. Um, so I moved to New York. I had a kid in 92. Uh, I can remember when he was about three years old. Uh, my wife and I wanted to go to the beach. And uh, there was no cars to rent in New York City. On the weekends in the summer in New York City, everybody's renting a car. Cause and you, nobody you, owns you a car. reserve a car well, well in advance. And I didn't reserve a car. I just went in the last minute. Go to the beach. I thought, I should get a car. And I, 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 for some reason, I had been attracted to Mercedes-Benz diesel station wagons. And after a six-month search, I got one of those. And it was a 10-year-old uh, car. You know, it was a 1985 car, and this was 95. And I learned, you know, it to me, it was like my first... Uh, toe in the water of classic car ownership. There was a lot of aftermarket parts you could buy. The internet had just started coming online with the, the, the you know chat groups about different marks. And, and Mercedes so, diesel wagon was like the hippest, coolest thing you can. It wasn't at the time. It's become pretty, <laughs> pretty much so. But it was. It's, it, so you're on the cutting edge of what was like you know suburban hip or not yeah. su- urban hip. That's right. And and it was. And nowadays it's it's super hip because you can put you know um, biodiesel. And biodiesel, all right. right. And. But at the time, I but learned, I think they have to come with Vermont plates on them, don't they? You can't put New York City plates on those. Things. I don't know. Biodiesel is like you oh, know, yeah. Vermont, Massachusetts. Every time I yeah, see something right, around, yeah, all this stuff. Yeah. The, the the thing is that you know I learned about having an old car because it was a ten year old car and it had a lot of quirks and I learned a lot about the the car speaking to you and having a personality and the kind of questions and kind of problems you have with the car and what this nature of going to non-dealer kind of people who work on it and 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 the kind of aftermarket things you could do like it had a tur- you know it's a turbocharged car and apparently you could adjust the turbocharger to make it uh, have a lot more oomph which we did and the, in, in in relative terms in relative terms <laughs> i think it went from you know 18 <laughs> yeah. seconds zero to 60 to, to like 14 or 13 seconds zero to 60 you know you could measure it in days yeah well, I, I love that car, but uh, it was kind of giving my kid uh, uh, asthma because it was a lot of particulate matter. And um, yeah, you were idling in traffic. It wasn't like you were uh, yeah. driving on the freeway. At any rate, I, my my kid played with a uh, kid down the hall who was a lot younger than him, whose father was an investment banker, and among the things he bought and sold was 
was uh, garages. So one day he said to me, you know, Yale, I really like your son. He's really great with my kid. I'd like to give you a garage space. When I, when I sell these garages, I make them give me a space. And, you know, it's not forever, but I'd like you to have a free space. Now, in New it's York like, City... It's like somebody giving you a studio apartment. A free <laughs> space in New York City is literally six, $7,000 a year gift. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That's what they're giving you. So I said, man, and they thought I was going to put my... Mercedes diesel wagon in that space, but I thought I have a free space. I'm going to buy yeah, a car. Already, you were already paying space, yeah, for for your for your wagon. Mercedes. So yep. it, was, it wasn't like take advantage of that. It yeah. was like a, you know, it's like an attic space. It's like now you had an extra space to put stuff in it. So so, so like, I, I I remember I had to go to be in England for for work, and I got in one of those English car magazines, and on the front cover it said low budget Ferraris, and I had a four headlight 330 GT, a uh, 308, and I don't remember what the third car was and they drove the cars around and the, the, the 330 was 20,000 pounds which the pound at the time was you know like a dollar 60 or something like that so I thought wow that's affordable I can afford a Ferrari and I loved the four headlight look I loved the way it looked it was such an interesting looking car and up until that point my whole idea of what a Ferrari was was you know a quarter of a million dollar and more type of car uh, something super exotic and you know I heard endless stories about how you know, oh yeah, that guy down the street had a Ferrari from him, and it was up on blocks because the, you know, the clutch went out, and it cost so much to fix. They never fixed it, so it was just underneath the covers. So I always heard endless stories about how they never worked. They were always broke. They were so expensive to maintain, and but nonetheless, you know, this article made the article like wasn't talking possible. about the maintenance on it. They were just talking about well, how much the price of admission is. What the, the funny <laughs> thing, the funny thing about the article was. That the car didn't work. No, not at all. No, the, <laughs> the eyes were dead. They had some problems with the water pump, and they couldn't get the car to work, so they drove the other two, but right. they talked about the 330. And I just liked how it looked. So I started you know, going online and looking around. for, And there wasn't very many things online available at the time. Uh, but I also subscribed to Ferrari Market Letter. I remember my, my wife saying to me, and looking on my shoulder, one person says, you're not thinking of getting a Ferrari, are you? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Anyway, I spent a year looking online uh, before I decided to start looking And not cars. really being a car guy. Like, you know, that's the right. reason I think the, your wife was, was saying that was because she never really even thought of you as being a car guy. And next thing right. you know, you're, you're, you're like in the market for a Ferrari. And Yeah, and I didn't think of it as strange. I mean, I don't know. She, she wasn't really into me getting the, the station wagon either, for that yeah. matter. You know, when I got it, though, she was very happy to have a car. It made a lot of difference for us. Right. But, so, I remember driving... But it was just the car. It wasn't, you know... It, it, it's well, like it was the, more to me. It was more than It was more car. to you, but yet you and, passed a, yeah. a, a, you passed a, a diesel wagon as, as good family, safe transportation in the city. Yeah. And all this other stuff. And now, all of a sudden, you know, here's the guy who is... Ferrari. Know, Ferrari. Like, that, that's the other side of the spectrum. And she grew, you know... Wagon. As Tom knows, she grew up with a family of car guys, who European car guys, who they all had, you know, the original minis, they all had French cars and English cars, and they were always breaking down. She was always standing by the side of the road next to the broken down car. They were always trading parts and among somewhere the Somewhere in her, in her psyche, somewhere uh, deep down inside, yeah. she said, whoever I end up with is not going to be one of these lunatics <laughs> that all they ever want to do is drive these cars mm -hmm. and, uh, with me stuck on the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> so, at, so at any rate, I, I started, I, I remember driving out to uh, this place called Octagon Auto, which used to always advertise, they always had 330s and other Ferraris, fairly inexpensively, but they were always kind of like barn find level cars. This is some place in Pennsylvania, and I drove out there, and they had a two headlight 330, and I just, you know, I just, it was a three hour drive, I basically just drove out there, 
said, can I sit in the car? They said, sure. I sat in it, put my foot down on the clutch, put my foot down on the brake, you know. Asked him what the funny window windshield, window crank handle was in the glove box. I said, you know, Enio had these electric windows, I guess, once, and they broke, so they always give you a crank. And I'm thinking, oh, geez, I don't want electric windows. You know, if they give you a spare crank for when your electric window breaks. <laughs> so, and it seemed like... It was comfortable, you know, I expected the clutch to be really heavy, I expected the shift to be difficult, and nothing seemed that extreme, really. Uh, it seemed like a very possible thing to, to, to get into. So, I had seen an ad for this lawyer in the West Coast who was selling a red 330, had a metal dash, which I thought was really great, and he said, very rare metal dash, that was very interesting to me, very rare. And uh, <laughs> Meanwhile, all Ferraris of that era can be considered rare, yeah. you know, of, of a production run of, let's say, 500 or 600 of them. And yeah. I don't know, you guys, people listening to this probably have a lot more car experience than I did. But this guy, he's one of those people when you talk to, when you ask questions, the answers were just like really hard to get out of them, and they were kind of, you know, you'd ask a broad question and you get a narrow answer. It just didn't feel right, but nonetheless not having bought a lot of cars, I still imagined, I looked at the bright side of things and thought, this is really going to be a great car. This is going to be the car I really want. And I asked a friend of mine to go look at it, who lived in Los Angeles. A friend of mine went to look at it. The guy wouldn't let him drive it. <laughs> great. Uh, just let him look at it. He said, it looks great. It's a beautiful car. I thought, oh, geez, okay, great. So then I, I, got, I asked to get it inspected. And I looked online. I found somebody who does ins- inspections in Los Angeles. I asked, uh, the guy's name was to take it over to get inspected. He said, that's way too far. I don't want to go to that. I want to go to this place near me, and they do a lot of Ferrari inspections, and they'll be fine. I said, fine. Take it to the guy near you. So he took it to the guy near him, and I remember distinctly that, that when I got the call from the place that had done the inspection, they said, we don't even want to do a leak-down test on this car. This car is a disaster. It has rust. It has just a whole a whole long list of things wrong. Run, run, don't walk away from this car. And, and I told Tristan this, and Tristan was outraged, just absolutely outraged, that anybody would call into question this car. And I had put down a deposit because Tristan said somebody was coming soon to look at the car. You know, so I put down a deposit. He would not give me back the deposit. And um, that was kind of the end of the story on that car. Later on, I did go out to L.A., and I did find out where the car was was being repaired. The overdrive was being repaired, and I did take a look at it. And I was going, what was my friend thinking? You open the trunk, you could see straight through to the ground. The dash, the metal dash had rust spots on it. It was, it was like, I'm really against cars being turned into something else. You know, the four-seat cars being turned into something else. That was one car that I could see that that would really be an apt end to. Um, yeah, so now this was about, because I remember you told me this story, because I think this was about the time that you had gotten in touch with me. Yeah. Um, it would have been 99. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And Because and, I can't remember the exact time span, but I remember hearing that story, and it felt like it was it was happening as, as you were telling me on the phone, mm-hmm. because we had we, gotten into touch with each other about, you know, can you do, you know, because I think you did the, you had this, like, must have had this question list that you would hit every single person in, in that six-month time of looking was, was, can you drive a Ferrari all the time? How expensive is it to fix? Do you think I can do it? You know, and, and so those broad, you know, sword questions were kind of like, oh, well, yes, yes, maybe, you know, <laughs> and so... We we kind of started that whole uh, hunt together, where you yeah. you would you would call me every once in a while. It's okay. Well, I I, th- I think I found a car, and 
and it was this, 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 you know, and, and uh, well, you know, tread carefully and, you know, just be, you know, make sure. And, and, uh, and I think eventually you, you found, you, we also looked at one in, in, in uh, Chicago, didn't we? Well, or you, I, I, I eventually got to that. I mean, I, I, I remember calling Simon Randy, who also had, you know, cars on, offered from time to time. And, and, uh, and I remember him saying to me, yeah, I have a 330 now. And I said, well, um, can you drive it? I mean, can you go anywhere in it? He goes, yeah, you know, and he was in L.A., you know, or somewhere near L.A., and he said, we just drove it up to Santa Barbara. And I'm thinking, like, geez, that's an hour and a half away. That's hardly giving me a lot of, uh, you know, confidence in the Ferrari if they if they tell me they drove an hour and a half and they're, you know, using that as an example of and how... again, you know, that, that comes from, from, you know, experience of owning, you know, older classic cars. You know, it's like you know, Yale's, Yale's learning about... About what what some perspective of what you know what you can call driving. Oh yeah, I drive it all the time. Driving it all the time for some you know classic car owners is like once every couple of weeks or something like that. And Yale maybe was thinking driving it all the time like maybe every other day, you know, and, and, and 50, 60 miles or something like that. Which which to us would be like that's that's like that's a regular driver. That's a daily driver, you know. And even then, some people's perception of daily driver is you know not daily, you know. After that, I, when I used to go out again, I used to I did used to go out to LA for work too, and I used to stop by Heritage Classics, and I would befriended a guy there named Edward uh, Edward Gibson, an Englishman, and and I said, you know, I'm thinking I'm ready to get a Ferrari 330. He goes, ah, oh, well, I know two of those. Uh, one's owned by this gentleman who rebuilds, takes it apart and rebuilds it all the time, and the other's is owned by this guy who's a Porsche collector. I said, gee, that one that the guy rebuilds all the time, that sounds like the one to go after. He says, well, okay, I'll see if he's interested in selling, if I can find him. And, and eventually Edward got back to me and said, well, like, I couldn't get a hold of him, but I, the guy with the, the Porsche collection w- is interested in selling his car. So why, next time you come out, why don't you go look at it? I thought, okay, cool. So I went out to L.A. and I drove... So I went to see Edward. Edward told me where to find the guy who owned the uh, the Porsche the Porsche collector and the, uh, owned the 330. And I drove out to take a look at the car, and we drove it. That was the first time I'd ever driven it. Um, we're driving along through these kind of avocado farms, these kind of farm roads. They're not dirt roads, but they're 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 really hard to see around. And and the guy had said, you know, this car has two brake boosters. One of them doesn't work, so don't jam on the brakes. So I was being very cautious, you know, because it wasn't a familiar car, and the guy says, don't jam on the brakes, and I couldn't really see around the roads very well. So I didn't have that good of a viewpoint of, of, of things. I, I know that I smelled gasoline, and there was a lot of heat coming off the engine, and I asked him, is this normal? He had no idea, because um, he really owned Porsches. He just had this as kind of like a, I don't know, an oddity that he was done with, it seemed and it had been restored by somebody who had done a kind of a restoration at his house and used a lot of duct tape on any kind of rubbing metal surface, which was an odd thing. And also, it had a blue metallic paint. And someone had mentioned to me that the metal flakes were the wrong size for Ferrari paint. <laughs> so it seemed like a possible car, but... The, you know, there's like a few things that added up to, that, that kind of bothered me. So I decided not to get that car. Well, at least not to get that car right off. I figured I should keep looking a little bit more. There had been a car advertised in Chicago for a while. It was $45,000, which was... Mm, every, every Almost all the other cars were $38,000. Yeah, so I mean, cool. back, back in, the, uh, in, in the late 90s. Yeah, that's they what they were, were going they, for. They were going for, and, and they were... they were That was that was pretty high, I remember. I mean, yeah, for, for 45000 was as... Was a stiff price. Four headlight cars tend to get a little less. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. just because uh, you know specific people like them, and, and uh, generally, 
you know, a couple articles are written, oh, not the best looking ones, but, you know, again, it's, it's, it's a matter of taste, but, but they tend to, because of those articles or, or, or whatever reason, they tend to get le- a little less. So, so at 45, I think that Chicago car was probably top of the market. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing about all these cars, well, since we're on that kind of subject, is uh, that they all had somewhere in the 30,000 mile or kilometer range on the odometer. <laughs> they had all been driven 33 or 36,000 miles or kilometers right. since they were new. And or. Right. <laughs> anyway, so I thought I should go out to see the Chicago car because it had been advertised at this place called Canals, K-N-A-U-Z, and he had at one time been a Ferrari dealer. So it, had flew, been, it had been advertised for a while. It had been right? advertised for a long time. So I flew out to Chicago. Again, I had some quote-unquote work thing I had to do, and um, got picked up at the airport by this, by kind of Canals' major domo, this guy, Jeff Lefavre, uh, and uh, took me up to Canals, the dealership, and we went to see the car, and the car was, it was beautiful. It was a, he had, it had been restored by Jeff. Uh, it had a new red leather interior, and had this kind of incredible color blue paint that I've never seen again that is, I guess, kind of sky blue. Um, and it was it was a fantastic looking car. It was a car originally from Monaco. It had yellow headlights. And he said, we'd like to go out for a drive. We went, went out for a drive and it drove pretty badly. Basically, it was rough as an ox cart. And I noticed when he had the, when I, in the garage that though Jeff had repainted the car, he hadn't replaced any of the rubber. So all the rubber was you know, 40-year-old rubber around all the windows and everything like that. And apparently he hadn't replaced any of the rubber in the suspension either. And so it was it was a car that looked great, but it had a lot of questions right. for me. And a lot of times what ends up happening with there is that, that uh, you know, depending on when it, when the restoration was done, I mean, a lot of that stuff wasn't available. So a lot of these guys... That's were, right. It wasn't available. Just, just, he said he couldn't, he couldn't get new rubber. Right. He couldn't get new rubber for the windows right. and stuff like and, that. And again, that, that went through a phase. I mean, I think... Late seventies is is uh, you know you can almost tell sometimes when the car was restored depending on what kind of stuff they replaced. It, it, it was restored. This car was restored at the end toward the end of the eighties. Jeff had right. restored another car for Canals, another Ferrari, and at the boom boom end of the boom boom eighties, uh, he had made a huge amount of money selling selling the car restored as the market just kept flowing up and up and up. Right. So Jeff remembered that that Canals had gotten this particular car in Long Island. He drove it out to Long Island and driven it back to Chicago. He had started the restoration when he was finished the restoration or as much of the restoration as they were going to do on the car, uh, they put it up at auction. It got, a, it got offered $95,000 or something like that, and Canals turned it down, hoping to get more than 100 for the car. And soon enough, the market collapsed, and he had the car for the next 10 years. So here it was 10 years later. He still had the car. He hadn't tried to sell it again because the, the market, had, the bottom had fallen out of the market. Right. And it, wasn't taking, it was taking its sweet time, so it wasn't getting that even that high mark that he had gotten that first time. So Yeah. So, so at any rate, I loved the way this car looked, and it did, I mean, all the rubber being old seemed to be a big problem to me, but I thought, well, look, I'll get the car inspected. I'll get a leak down, and a, and a, a leak down test and a, a compression test, and if it does fine there, I'll, I'll just get this car, because it looks so cool. So I told Mr. Canals I wanted to get a leak down test. A leak down test? That's like that's like what they do on airplanes. Is that you want to leak? This is a car dealer. You know, this guy has been selling cars for like forty years. Right. You know, I'm like uh, yeah, I know that's unusual request. I know. Can you send it out? So they sent it to, I think, uh, Ferrari of Lake Forest or some Lake Forest Ferrari dealer, and he did a inspection of the car, and he came back, and the there was a huge amount of leakage. You know, some cylinders were leaking sixty percent, and 
I thought, oh, God, here's another bad inspection. Uh, you know, again, Jeff and uh, Mr. Canals were like, you know, if you just drive the car, I'm sure those numbers will change. I mean, that's just got to drive it. You know, and I'm like, well, maybe that's true, but maybe it isn't, and I didn't buy the car. So, soon after that, I had a business trip to Europe, and I started looking around on European websites uh, for Ferraris, since I figured I could take a look at one, maybe when I was over there. And I saw this uh, website called which had a lot of interesting-looking cars, and I, I wrote them. I said, hey, do you guys have any four-headlight Ferraris? They said, as a matter of fact, we do. We do have one. It's not on our site, but uh, we, we are selling one. Uh, so I said, great, when I come over there, can, I, can you pick me up at the airport in, in, uh, in Holland, and, uh, and I'll take a look at it. I said, sure. So I went to see the car in Holland in a, some town that I, it wasn't really even a town, and they took the car out. We drove it around. It was in a garage. It was in a you know, mechanic's garage. They called Daytona Garage, which had a, uh, a Fiat, um, what was it, uh, you know, a Ferrari-engined Fiat Coupe. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? It was it was pretty nice looking yeah, car. Yeah, Dino, Dino. Dino. Dino Coupe. Yeah. Yeah, which I had never seen. Yeah, 246 Dino. Yeah. Or was, I mean, it was the Fiat Dino, not the Ferrari. The, it was the a Ferrari. Fiat Dino, yeah. The Dino Dino. Yeah, not the convertible. Okay. Square, with, squared off. Coupe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we drove the car. The car drove great. The overdrive didn't work, and the oil pressure gauge vibrated violently, which they told me they all do that. <laughs> And and uh, and I thought, well, um, okay. So I said, can I get the car inspected? And they said, sure. And they had the Daytona garage people do an inspection. And they got back to me when I got back to the United States. They said, good, you're in luck. The car's in excellent shape. <laughs> I said, okay. I said, well, the overdrive didn't work. I said, okay, well, we'll fix that before that was, we that was That was the time when I started formulating the whole idea of, of third-party pre-purchase inspection. But I had had, you know, these other inspections that people had recommended, right. you know, the inspector before, and they all warned me off cars. So. Right. I really didn't think but twice. There's, there's a reason why you should you now know this third-party pre-purchase inspection. Before before I bought this car, though, I did look at one other. There was a guy who was advertising in Hemmings and saying he wa- he had a Ferrari 330. He wanted to trade for an XKE pre 1964 XKE. I thought, Jesus. All right. So I went out and take a look at it. Again, it was in Pennsylvania. For some reason, there were a lot of Ferraris in Pennsylvania and in Virginia, it seemed. And uh, it was in this. Big shed full of XKEs. I couldn't figure out why he needs another XKE. <laughs> well, you needed one that was he running. He had four <laughs> there. And he, he, did, he, again, wouldn't let me drive it, but he just started up huge amount of smoke. It was a gold car with a cloth interior. And, you know, I invent, as I maybe said before, I invent the story, the backstory to things. And I looked at that and I thought, well, it's probably an excellent, you know, an honest car. I mean, the paint had worn off the roof in places. And the cloth interior, I assumed, had come originally from the factory. Maybe somebody didn't want leather or something like that. I think I know that. I think the guy who bought that car eventually contacted me through my site. Well, I, I, th- I think the he, guy who bought yeah, your car yeah, we yeah, met. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He, he's totally restored. He's totally yeah, taken apart. He said, right. "Not one, not in bolt, is a, was original <laughs> to the car." <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so does it go for, with your story or against your story? Totally against my story. <laughs> I thought it looks like an unmolested yeah, yeah. car. <laughs> yeah, everything is taken apart. Oh my this god! This girl's been around the block. <laughs> but, uh, so I, anyway, I bought the car that was in Holland, and as Tom knows well, they put it on a boat, which is. Fairly inexpensive. It was eight hundred dollars to ship a car from Holland yeah. to here. I was really shocked. A slow boat from Holland. 
you know, got, of course, it was the winter. I always seem to buy cars in the winter. And, uh, yeah, you're two. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Yes, my two. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and uh, so, you know, I got pretty worried and the car was going to roll off the boat or that something was going to happen. Yeah, so, to anyway, so you, so you called me. I was like, okay, so I bought the car, <laughs> you know, and, and, and uh, I'm like, all right, well, you know, when's it coming? Was just, I forget, what was it, like a week or two or something like yeah. that. So, we're waiting for this, this thing. And it is just the middle of winter. I mean, it, it, what was it? it? Was it was like snowing out, wasn't it? It was, it was it, storm. It there was storms it was, in the Atlantic. Yeah, I was like, and, oh, and, my and God. I remember it snowed the day that we went to go get it. Yeah, because we went out. We went out to Jersey. The, the yeah. shipping company had, you know, arranged well, the, the, for. Yeah, it was in a warehouse in New Jersey. It was in uh, what was it? Uh, horseless carriage warehouse. Yeah, in New they, Jersey. they're they're like the shipping receiver or yeah. whatever, and they they work a deal out to, to yeah. receive the car. So they and and, the and they called me up and said, you know, the car's uh, leaking. I mean, blew its oil filter. I said, really? I said, yeah, I think there's something wrong. I said, well, geez, I hope not. So I talked to Tom, blew its oil filter. What does that mean, you know? That's not good. Yeah. So, so we, you know, not knowing, I mean, it could have been, you know, I very rarely hear, I mean, you do hear that happening on occasion, but that's usually, you know, can lead to other things. So anyway, we go out there with a bag of tools, hoping that we can maybe try to figure out what was up. Yeah. Maybe it was just maybe the seal, because sometimes... It's the oil seal, just, you know, it's not down tight enough or some pal and, you know, just, and when someone says leaking oil, it could just be pissing out from the, uh, from the, from the, from the O-ring or whatever. And, and, uh, so we get there and in this dark warehouse, we, we open the hood and look down and like it not only blew it, but it blew the whole canister off of the, uh, right. the crimp. And, uh, so something was up like it and, and, um, you know, so basically the car is, uh, Immobile. We, we couldn't. We couldn't take it out that day. Right. We couldn't, couldn't do anything. There was no filter for it. Number yeah. one, and um, it was a. I think it was a UFI filter that was on there that blew off. Yeah. So, um, okay. So first trip out to look at the car, we we realized you know waste trip can't do anything. So you shipped it to why was it? Was it no, I, no, you shipped it to. Uh, I I I I just got a new filter. I went out to Classic Coach, bought a filter, came back, right. screwed the filter on, turned it on again to see if anything was going to happen, and it blew that filter. So then I pushed it out of the garage, called AAA, and towed it over to uh, to Wide World Cars. Cars. Right. Yeah. So then it went up there, and um, originally what we were planning on doing was getting it to uh, Francois, so that Francois could kind of take care of the car. But uh, you know, middle of winter, and it's, he takes time off during the, the holidays, so he, he was kind of out of out of the country. So we really didn't have much of a choice. But you know, we got the car. We, you know, it's, it's not drivable. We couldn't even take it anywhere. It's you know not going to store it at. at uh, a horseless carriage, so we figured, oh, what the heck, just send it up to Wild World Cars. They took it, and they worked on it for a while. They kind of got the filter on there or whatever things that they did, and then we went back out there right. to pick up the car. Now the car is back together, ready to go. You know, Tom, Tom's you know, following me Tom's in my uh, my station wagon. Right. We pull off the roads for to get some gas. Um, putting, I put the gas you know thing in. I turn around and all this water and steam no, shooting out all over the front of the car. And this is like dead of winter. So it yeah. was a good 30 degrees out that yeah. day. And the car just completely boils over in the uh, in, in the gas station and uh, called AAA again. Yeah. Had him take it to Francoise. So we, because we were actually driving front, at that point when we picked up the car, we were on the way over to Francoise. So we tri- took it over there. So it gets to Francoise. He does about $5,000 worth of work. Just basic. Well, one the, the one of this, you know, put seat belts in, put a license plate holder on, get the radiator fixed. change the oil, just basically go over the car, fix the radiator, do 
do a bunch of stuff. And then kind of tells me, you know, and then we go out for a drive, and he says, you know, do you look at this oil pressure gauge? Oh, yeah, he, he the oil pressure line was, he said, was some kind of plumbing fixture or something like that, and the oil pressure um, was set to full Right, there's full a pressure. regulator, there's a regulator that, that is adjustable, and basically someone had taken the, the oil regulator and adjusted to full full pressure. And um, those were kind of things that were kind of going off in his mind, going, this is, this is not good. You know, and when you compound that with, you know, 30-degree day when we were out at, uh, you know, out in wherever, New Jersey, to pick up that car, 30-degree a day, you know, 20-weight, 20-50-weight, you know, oil in the sump, and it's ready to start the car, and you're basically taking big, thick, heavy oil, and you're pumping it at maximum Well, I, 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 had asked, I had asked the people, I said, so, you know, the car blew its oil filter. What, what's the story? And they go, well, we talked to Garage Daytona, and they use straight 50-weight oil in old Ferraris. Right. I go, straight so it 50 even, It wasn't even the, the multi Jesus, he goes, yeah, that's what works. That's what he feels works in old Ferraris the best. Right, and which, which again, can be another problem. I mean, some people run heavy-weight oils in it, but another alarm bell starts to go off. Yeah. So Francois driving it, and actually it wasn't that cold of a day. I mean, it was... I mean, it wasn't that hot either, but it was it was a you know moderately probably a forty degree day, and Francois watching the um, watching the the oil pressure, and and it just doesn't look good. Like as, as he says, he shows me at idle, and I'm in the passenger seat. He says, "See, it should be here, and it's here." Now, the difference between his here and here is literally maybe a thirty second of an inch right. on the oil pressure gauge. So I'm and I'm in the passenger seat, which you really don't have the correct angle to look at it anyway. And I'm like, yeah, and he goes, well, it should be here, and it's here. And I'm like, okay, so, and he goes, well, it's your car, monsieur. <laughs> and I'm saying to Tom, what does that mean? What does he, what am I, I supposed mean, to, to do get, with that? I used to get a bunch of phone calls, and this is when, you know, me just figuring out the, uh, the dictionary of definitions to Francois's, you know, language and, and, and understanding what he was saying. I used to get these phone calls from, from Yale, and he would be like, I, ju- I just went to Francois, and I picked up, the car, and, and he said that the, the oil pressure isn't doing this. So what does he mean by that? <laughs> well, I don't know. I think he means, and I'd go into this whole thing about what I thought what he meant, which was, you know, oil pressure is lower than it should be when it's cold. So his thing was that when it gets warm out, uh, you know, if the oil pressure is running at this point, at this temperature, ambient temperature, that's lower than it should. And his feeling was that as it warms up, and, it, and you're going to run it on a hot day, you could very well have no oil pressure, or at least no oil pressure where it should be at least some oil pressure. And, uh, and that's what he was trying to hint at without saying, you know, you might have a bum engine. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and so, you know, Yale took his car, drove it, used it for a while. and um, Nervously. Nervously, but not really understanding what you know, and I think he's still kind of you know we we understand the whole story because we 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 see it in you know in hindsight, but but at that time we're not really sure what what was what was actually happening. So as as the days got warmer and we went into spring and we went into summer, that's when you know on, and on top of the overheating issues because then you know you went through some overheating issues, right. you went through you know a radiator that just wouldn't take a seal, it just it it would. We'd solder it, then it would blow it again, and then you'd solder it again, and it just, it's just old radiators. But that was the, uh, that, and, and eventually what happened was we realized that the oil pressure was just, just not happening. I mean, on hot days, um, y- you were not getting any oil pressure, and, and, and 
even after the you know and adjusting back to the to the oil pressure regulator to a reasonable level, you just you just weren't getting anything. And, and so the concerns were that although they said it was a re- I think they said it was a rebuilt engine. Yeah, they said it was a rebuilt engine, but it kind of the story came out that it was rebuilt by a Jaguar mechanic. And I, you know, I really I had talked to the previous owner before I bought the car also. Who said, you know, that I said, why are you selling? He said, these are too complicated. You know, he's in Holland, but he likes uh, uh, Mustangs. He said, they're just so much easier. He said, you know, I'm driving. I said, well, what happened? He goes, well, I'd be driving down the road one time, and all of a sudden the radiator starts spitting water all over the, the windshield. And I'm thinking, like, okay, that doesn't sound like the end of the world, but maybe he had this engine trouble and he didn't really want right. to pay you for know, it. It's like too complicated, meaning, i.e., too expensive. Yeah. You know, and, and, yeah. Uh, so who knows what what could have happened? But eventually, what happened was Francois, you know, ended up doing the rebuild on the engine. There was just really nothing else. There yeah. was really no other choice. I mean, even you know when they re- had built the engine the first time, they reused the the uh, the valves. Right. Right. There's like a lot of. I mean, there are things that you people do tend to reuse, but you know, one of the main issues that that Francois saw, which was. You know the, the the crank was never aligned board to the block, so the clearances on the on the main bearing shells were so sloppy, and that's that's the whole reason. It's like you know somebody could rebuild an engine, but if they don't do certain crucial machine work on, or 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 issues to check for clearances, if they don't do that and they just slap so the thing back together, if you don't have an aligned board, you can't rebuild a Ferrari engine. You should check it. So How do you, you check can probably you, you measure the, the clearances. You you can use something as simple as, as um you know like plastic age and check the clearances. But why wouldn't week. anybody rebuilding an engine check that? Don't no, don't you know, then <laughs> if you don't check it, you know, it just depends. Maybe they did check it. Maybe they did check it and decide that, that uh it was good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, um uh, you know, there are different clearances for different engines, and some people who are familiar with one engine might feel that that's good enough for mm-hmm. another engine, and it might not be. Mm-hmm. Um, or it could just be just being cheap. The other thing is, you, you know, a lot of people rebuild engines just to slap it to get it to market. Mm-hmm. You know, I see people slap engines back together just, just to get it to market. You know, get somebody to buy it and let them worry about it when they mm-hmm. get it. You know, unfortunately, that's what you ended up doing is that you got an engine that, that, you know, you had to worry about it and you did it the right way. And, and now it's, it's running fine. In fact, you've put 20 some odd thousand miles on this yeah. engine without, without, mm-hmm. I mean, you've had your other teething pains and, yeah. you know, welcome to the Ferrari world of, of, of mm-hmm. dealing with them. But, you know, it's a four year old car. But, you know, with all intents and purposes of having the engine redone, you have a, you have a, a perfectly serviceable and reliable engine that, mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, that performs as it should be, mm-hmm. but the guy who obviously spent the money before either wanted to save some money or just, or just didn't care. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, I, I realize in, in vintage car ownership that I'm somebody who likes to have things kind of be correct, and it's hard for me to ignore stuff. And so I probably, I think about it, I, that I might have done work that I didn't need to do right away because I just, it bothered me a bit. You know. Right, and also, but that's that's the that's a thing. Uh, people and owners and and come to this hobby from different perspectives. I mean, it's your car now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you do the things that are correct because they make you feel better and proud of your ownership. Some people who have no intentions on keeping the car are just going to do it so it looks good enough, polish it up. You know, it's it's like your friend who in L.A. who saw that car. It was shiny. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, he didn't. He saw it completely through rose-colored glasses. Yeah. And and there are people who prey on that. There are people who know that 
if it shows well, it'll sell well. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with what's underneath that shine mm -hmm. and glitter. It's it, and 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 so you know you have to be aware that that happens, and then and then know the tests. Hopefully that 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 will kind of get around. I mean, I mention that because I feel that the car does take a huge amount of maintenance, and it's a it's it, it's a you know. I, I felt that the Mercedes wagon was a, was a hobby. Again, at that time, I didn't need a car. I really didn't use it that much, you know. used it on the weekends mostly, or we'd go on a trip every once in a while. It was kind of a hobby, and I over-maintained that. I kind of used to joke that I'm rebuilding the car part by part. And the same, I don't know that I'm rebuilding the Ferrari part by part, but it is definitely a hobby. And the way you spend money on it, you spend money on it as a hobby, you know. It's right. like, it always does every. I also make this joke, it cost me $1,500, $500 every time I drive it, because every three drives I have to take some something <laughs> to get fixed for $1,500. So. And, I, and I, that goes along with my theory of, you know, and I sometimes say more than that, because I always say that, you know, you own a, you know, a Honda or something like that, you, you basically fix it in $100 increments. You, mm -hmm. you own a Porsche, you're kind of at $500 increments. You own a Ferrari, yeah, yeah. it's $1,000 increments. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you, and, and, and as unfair as that sounds, you know, try... You know, and I work on my own Ferrari, but but the thing is, I know the bills are not very very rarely less than a thousand dollars. You know, and, and is that fair? Is it not fair? I don't know, but but they're so maintenance intensive that you can't get away with it because it's like something happens to these cars that that needs some kind of attention when you bring it in for that oil change or when you bring it in for that adjustment, and then something else alongside of it needs. You know, might as well get it adjusted or might as well get this well, thing done. Well, and now. I and I feel. You know, people when they, people and some people on Tom's list or some of the other lists say, you know, really, once you get on top of it, once you get the car set, you know, you don't really have any problems with it. I don't think those people really drive the car that much. Yeah. I don't see how you could. And you know, there's 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 a real balance because what happens is as you don't drive them, things go bad on them. I mean, like the brakes are are common, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. common that you know you you don't drive a car in six months. The brakes have this tendency to to, to have a problem with them. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's like so. You, you have the it's like this knife edge of driving and not driving, preserving mm -hmm. and, and, and wearing it out. It, 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 and, and that happens a lot too. I mean, on the other, the other side of the coin, it's a very characterful car. It just has a lot of personality. And we, and Tom and I drove out to, to uh, Watkins Glen for the Ferrari Nationals. And, you know, Tom was showing his car, so he didn't want to drive around. So I drove us to all the things we were going to go see. It was, it's such a great it was so much fun to treat that car as, as your daily driver. It was right. so great to be able to use that all the time. Right. But, it, 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 again, you know, then you probably came back and yeah. <laughs> you had a $1,500 bill. That's right. <laughs> you know, and so, the alternator went that, out. That's kind yeah. of par for the course. But, yeah. anyway, well, listen, Yale, thank you very much for sharing that story. Um, you know, this story continues as, as you continue to keep the car and as you become more and more educated in uh, possibly other cars and all this other stuff. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been a fun ride so far, and um, we look forward to see where where this goes. And also mine, too. I mean, as, as mine is now on the road and driving, I, you know, I get to compare a little bit. I know that, you know, Yale's put successfully 20,000 miles on his car. I should only hope to, to be able to someday do, do that kind of mileage. But, uh, you know, I think he's always going to outdrive out me. Then, then, uh, then I'll be able to put on my car. But uh, we'll see. But thanks a lot. Thank you.